another episode of Talking Maiden. The podcast of the beast. Episode three, is it? Yeah. Of the the early birth of the beast, part three. The birth of the beast, part three. People always talk about how much they like the deep dives that we do on stuff. Yeah. So I thought I'd test and see how deep they actually like the dives because this is getting pretty deep. Super deep. Uh, I wasn't sure how long this is going to take. It's going to take, I think, at least four episodes to get through this. Well, hey, look, it takes what it takes. As long as the it's history of the birth of Iron Maiden. Yeah, and you even managed to clip before there were no clips in the past episodes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Nesbitt pulls up. I've got a, you know, Moses, Ten Commandments. How can we believe it even happened? Well, Nesbitt's got a clip. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's it's kind of crazy that uh, you're able to pull in some, some See, stuff I like love that. this, like, early Maiden, pre-Maiden stuff. Yeah. Like, I just, I've got so many books on it, I just read so much about it. I just talk forever about it. Yeah. Which is kind of what I'm doing. <laughs> that's, the, that's the podcast. You talk, yeah. I drink. Right. Speaking of drinking. Yes, we're itching here now, aren't we? Yeah. Um, the beer you've got here today. I've never had this. This is uh, a Muskoka from the Muskoka Brewery, which we've right. done. We've done a bunch of those like, beers. They do the Mad Tom, don't they? Yep. Yeah. They do in the Detour. They have a whole bunch of pretty good beers. Yeah, Muskoka Detour is an excellent beer. You're going to love this one, I think, because it's exactly the type of beer that you like. It says juicy IPA. Is that my citronella hops? Yeah, (laughs) pretty much. (laughs) Hazed and confused. I've got some other, like, uh, beers that are... Remember, I brought some back from Florida, and I've got a few other, like, imports I was going to do. But then when I had this one on the weekend, I had a few of these, and I was like, I'm going to bring one of these. Yeah. I figured I'd bring this in, just because I knew you'd love them. So yeah, this is a Hazed and Confused Juicy mm. IPA from Muskoka Brewery. Oh my god. So for anyone who's new to our podcast, we always have a beer. And I always like citronella hops, which is a joke. And every music you compare it to prog rock. That's right. <laughs> so that's our podcast. Do not spend your time worrying about those wasted beers. All right. We're recording back in the loft. Right, we're back in the loft, yeah. No uh, fancy Nesbitt studio. <laughs> well, we got two spots now, which is good, because we both have stuff on the go, so. Yeah, there's lots happening. Oh, there's a new brewery open locally, mm. Bannerman Brewery. Went to it I've last been hearing night. good things is good. Unreal. We're going to yeah. have to do beer on the show. We're going to have to do all the beer. I think I'm going there uh, after work tomorrow, mm. just for one beer. I went there last night, hurting this morning. Oh, really? I know. Good stuff, though? Uh, amazing. But awesome. it's one of those, I gotta be honest, like, I don't know if it's my age. This beer is excellent. Wow. I don't know if it's my age, though. Um, or if it's craft beer. But man, four or five beers out. Look, so, Friday night, I went out and drank craft beer all night. I was, like, I only had, like, seven or eight pints. I know that's a lot of pints. But it's not, <laughs> a, it's lot not of a lot of pints. I think that's right? part of your problem right there. <laughs> probably. So. But anyway, I was, like, dying. Yeah, and they're probably like IPAs that are like oh, 7 yeah. or 8 to all IPAs. So yeah. it was there like a go. bubble liquor. There's your problem right there. <laughs> that's good, eh? This is excellent. No, it's really good. So that's um, hazed and confused. Nice. But anyway, last night I, I had, they have a sour down there. They have a double IPA. They have an IPA. They have a pale ale. You know, I went through the, the beer list. I didn't waste my time on the Saison or the Lager. Uh, but I went through the beer list and I doubled up on a double IPA. Oh, I got up go. this morning. I got up this morning. My two eyes were right. Just my two eyes were resting on my lip. I was anyway. I made it in. Made it into work. That all worked out. That worked out. I should do a bit of a recap now before we get back into the maiden. Yeah. If you're just tuning into this episode, I recommend you go back and listen to the two episodes before this, part yeah. one and two, just because they all kind of flow together. Yeah. Right now you're going to be jumping into like halfway through Maiden being formed. So. Before you run through the official recap, can yeah. I give you my memory of it? Do it. All right. Let's Here's what I remember. Yeah. Like Steve Harris. Okay. His body is changing. <laughs> he's going through the... No, I'm good. Anyway, he, decide, he starts off. He's going to start a band. We, we were joking around Spare Rib. Yeah. Um, yeah, they were throwing the name Spare Rib around for the band. That's right. Then he basically... They have this gig and they're called Influence right. in the gig. Yeah. But then they became what did they become? Gypsy's Kiss. Gypsy's Kiss. Yeah, right. Gypsy's Kiss. But that Gypsy's Kiss are, are well known. That's that's yep. been a staple for a while. Then they became was a Smilers. Well, they or, didn't become Smiler. Yeah. Oh, it's a different yeah. band. He left. Yeah. And joined Smiler. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And then he started what became. And then Army. Smiler. Well, Ass Mountain. He started bringing these like <laughs> started bringing these songs into Smiler. Yeah. And they're like, what is this? The time changes and everything. It's like, what does this idiot Steve know about music? <laughs> yeah. This guy's no a one's total gonna want to listen to this. Ugh. So he leaves Smiler, starts his own band. Yeah. So 
end of 75, he starts Iron Maiden. Mm-hmm. Almost names it Ash Mountain. Yeah. First, I'm going to go through this quick just to get Dude. caught up. Yeah. Paul Mario Day, the first singer. Maiden starts playing shows in 1976. Yep. Mid-76, Paul Mario Day gets the boot. Dennis Wilcox is the new singer. Yeah. Dave Murray comes into the band. There's some more lineup changes. Rob Angelo Sawyer joins as second guitarist. Into, then we got we pretty much got up to like well into 1977. And what was the band when we ended? Because my key takeaway from that was in 1977, you played some clips and the, the songs that they had and where the band was, I, they were so much closer to Iron Maiden than I had been in my mind. Because I'd always thought like, you know, Paul joins and then Paul leaves and like, like, you know, 81, 82. And then um, that he's there for five years. And I thought he defined that whole... But there was a lot more material. Right. So we're done. only in mid-77 now. Yeah, this mid-77. Is, yeah. And they already have Prowler, Wrathchild, Another Life, Innocent, Exile, Purgatory, but it's called Floating at the time. It's like an yeah. early version of Purgatory. Drifter, Transylvania, Strange World, Charlotte the Harlot, Iron Maiden, Burning Ambition, Invasion, Sanctuary. They got like most of the first two albums. Yeah. A good chunk of that. They're playing and like they're still kind of working on it, but they're you know. But this is still pre Soundhouse tapes. This is pre Soundhouse tapes, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So the lineup at this time, okay. Right before we jump back in, the yeah. lineup is. So this is where we left off last right. episode because I remember. Yeah. Okay. Go on. Dave Murray on guitar, Steve Harris on bass, Dennis Wilcock is singing, Ron Rebel Matthews is the drummer, and Bob Sawyer or Rob Angelo Sawyer. Yeah. On guitar. I love how you say Ron Rebel. Like, is that his, that sounds like a name. His name's Ron Matthews. He went by Ron Rebel. Yeah. And now I'm calling him Ron Rebel Matthews. And the Re- Rebel is in quotation marks. Okay, cool. Yeah. Well, his name, he, yeah, I think his name was Ron Rebel. His, like, yeah. stage name that he went by. Okay. And a large part of Iron Maiden, the first album, is yeah. defined. That's, uh, yeah, that's exciting. And to give a context on, you know, kind of anchoring it back to the last episode, it's been a while since we recorded. Like, we don't do these in stacks, and it gives us a different perspective. But, I mean, I had to get myself back in the mindset. Yeah. Yeah, that was excellent. So, yeah, the band's kind of solidifying. Most of the first two albums are being written, or like there's versions of them at least. They have Vic Villa and Dave Lights, the crew, coming together. The audience is getting bigger. They're like starting to pack the venues they're playing. You know, the Maiden logo's in place. You know what I mean? Like Maiden's, you know, everything's going full force. So that's kind of where we left off Iron Maiden. So everything's going great until July 1977. Uh, Rob Angelo Sawyer is fired. So he has a book out, and he tells all about it in his book. Iron Maiden and Praying Mantis, The Early Days by Rob Angelo Sawyer. Yeah. And it's uh, it's worth getting. If you're into this like old Maiden history, I know I've talked about it in the last episode, but yeah. I can't remember what I said about it. But it's worth yeah. getting. It's like first-hand account of these really early days. There's a lot of cool stories and stuff in there. So he tells all about how he got kicked out of the band. If you want to hear the details, it's in his book. But basically... Dennis Wilcock and Vic Villa show up to his house, drop off his gear, and tell him he's out. There's a story about him getting kicked out of the band where, like, Dave Murray used to do all the stuff, like, playing guitar with his teeth. Yeah. And Rob Angelo Sawyer used to, like, pretend to play with his teeth, but he was actually just, like, hammering on with, like, the other hand. Yeah. And I think Steve Harris saw that and was like, you're not being authentic or something like that. Yeah. But I think in his book he kind of says he was kind of joking around doing it. Yeah. But either way, it didn't work out. He was out of the band. Yeah. So he's gone, and then Dave Murray leaves. So Dave Murray's just in the band not long. Wow. He gets in a big fight with Dave Wilcock. Dave Wilcock, he's the lead singer, basically fires Dave Murray, and Murray yeah. leaves. That's the two guitarists gone. Did he punch him in the face? Didn't we talk about that at some stage? I read somewhere that he punched him in the yeah. face. But then I also read it was just a big argument. Mm. And then it's all done in like... You know, these old accounts and they're all using these like sayings that I don't know, like yeah. the Cockney saying, like, I gave him a good, we had a big bust up or <laughs> yeah, something. There was I'm a... like, does that actually mean you punch each other or is it? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. So I'm not sure exactly what happened there, but Dave Murray's out of the band. So Dave Murray leaves Maiden. He goes to rejoin Urchin, which had a guy in it named Adrian Smith. <laughs> I know. So he joins Urchin with Adrian Smith. So he used to be in a band with Adrian Smith. In, from 71 to 74, it was called Stone Free. 71? 71. Dave was Murray he in and utero Adrian. then? Like, Dave was like, <laughs> what, 11 or 12 then? 
Yeah, maybe they were young. Yeah. yeah, but it wasn't like a band playing gigs. Yeah, there's a story about them where they played their first gig, and I think they were paid a can of like a can of Coke and a Mars bar each or something like that. You oh, know what wow. I mean? But basically, Dave leaves. He knows Adrian. He goes back. He joins Urchin. He doesn't rejoin Urchin like people say because yeah. technically, but he rejoins Adrian in Adrian's yeah. band Urchin. Actually, that's not 100 percent true either because between leaving Maiden and joining Urchin. Dave Murray joins a band called The Secret, which is a punk band. There's a couple of places I saw mention the, the band, and they said Dave was in it before joining Maiden the first time. Um, if you look at their like releases and their 45s and their singles and the recording credits, that's kind of impossible. So Dave Murray was in this band for four months, July to October 1977, after he gets fired from Maiden and before he joins Urchin. So he goes in to join this band. Here's a clip of... That band is called The Secret. The song is called The Young One. So this is Dave Murray playing guitar with The Secret. So that's what Dave Murray did. Then he joins Urchin yeah. with Adrian Smith. And they record and release a single with Adrian and Dave both playing on it. Uh, it's called She's a Roller. Awesome. So that's Adrian singing yeah. and playing guitar and Dave Murray playing guitar. So. Yeah. It's funny how, like, that one, I'm not critically judging his music. I'm just like, wow, they're so young and they're just getting ready. That's cool. Yeah. Um, some of the urchin stuff's pretty cool. I actually, I've started getting together some and doing some research for an urchin episode to do way down the line after we do, like, a lot more Maiden stuff. Yeah. But as a side project. Because Adrian was in it, Dave Murray was in it, and it's basically Adrian is, like, the singer and the guitar player. So it's very mm-hmm. Maiden related. Yeah, you know, so I do want to do an episode on that, but I'm getting that ready. Yeah, it's 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 funny the the perspectives on this stuff too, right? Because now we look at it, and you know, they're all just made in people at different places. I remember a, a group, two friends, well, a friend of mine at university, him and his girlfriend at the time split up, and she started going over with this other guy we knew, and of course we all hated him because of this, or hated him anyway, but this just didn't help. And whenever I see her and him it's always the context of them together and this this is sto- funny because i saw them like on a facebook or something recently and the the guy she went with they've been together 15 years now and they got married and they had like three kids oh you still and think I'm, of him as the new guy but, yeah, <laughs> yeah but that's the thing like my perspective was from but i was like he's just some guy you dated for like a year in university now you're married to this guy for three kids but before yeah, i thought like yeah, oh she went up with that weird. asshole yeah. but like it's all perspective right like i mean you look at it now like that guy wrote the book yeah he, but when he got kicked out of iron maiden it's like from his perspective that was iron maiden and yeah. he got kicked out well i guess it'd be the same as people would look at they know adrian from like killers yeah and then like beast you're kind of like Adrian. And Urchin's just this little thing he did. But here's an Urchin much longer at that point than he had been in Maiden. Because here's an Urchin for a long time. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. And he's, and he's singing there. And, yeah. and, you know, what was it you had brought up on the podcast? I think that he got into guitar because of Dave. He sounded like Dave getting girls. Yeah, I think Dave brought his guitar to school. And like yeah. all the girls flocked around. And Adrian was like, I gotta learn to play guitar. I gotta learn to play guitar. I'm sure that happens. Man. That's a timeless story. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? Like, you know, I would consider two of them pretty elite guitar oh my god yes like amazing right but they're just two buddies in england and oh yeah is it just a learnable skill i always thought of guitar as just something that's natural 
it's natural mixed with I think the desire to like I was never good at guitar because I don't have the skill for yeah. one but I'm not the type of person that like will sit down for four hours and play the same thing over and over again until I can play it yeah you know what I mean I think it's just you know these people that you hear that are like awesome on guitar they basically just play guitar morning, noon, and night. It is crazy. A friend of mine, like I had a couple of friends in high school who were guitar players. Yeah. Like one of them was just an insane metal guitarist. And like we used to just play Metallica and I'd jam yeah. it on drums and we just have fun. But he was like really good musician. Still yeah. plays. But another friend of ours, Johannes, he got into guitar in grade 10. And he got so addicted with it, like his fingers split open from playing acoustic. And he like slept with his guitar. Oh, yeah. Like he started sleeping. He, he started in grade 10. By grade 12, he played, like, at the grad, like, all acoustic. He did, like, Sultan's Swing, all this insane stuff. Yeah. Like, on acoustic, but yeah. he also played electric. Yeah. But, like, he was just so amazing. And it was like, he'd been playing for, like, 14 months. And all the other guys who'd been playing forever were like, oh, hang your head But that's shit. it. You have to be, like, driven. Yeah. yeah. Plus have a lot of natural talent. Yeah, he was... And I think fe- that's, like, Dave and Adrian. They're both awesome guitarists because yeah. they're super talented. And I'm sure that they just... You know, they like have that drive. He, he hated school, even though he was a good kid, good at school, because he couldn't play guitar at school. And, like, you'd be after school, you'd be like, want to go play basketball or hockey or something. He'd be like, no, i got to go home. He'd like, yeah. it was a severe addiction. To the <laughs> point where if it was, like, a, a video gamer, everyone would think you're nuts. Right? Yeah, yeah. But, uh, anyway. Yeah, that's cool. And those two guys that just flew together, they, they meet. And then, of course, they bounce back and forth between these two bands. Right. So they're both in Urchin right now. Yeah. That leaves Maiden with no guitarists. So basically, uh, Dave Murray gets fired by De- Dennis Wilcock. Dennis mm-hmm. Wilcock and him have a big fight, and Dennis basically fires him. Yeah. I don't know how much... How did he get away Steve. with that with I don't Steve, know with Steve, like, but that's... Yeah. He was fired from the band, and it sounds like it was Dennis that kind of... I don't know the story behind that. Because yeah, you would think yeah. that Steve would be like... Well, now, but now. this is probably one of those experiences that shaped Steve to make him realize, That's no, true. i got to control this yeah, stuff because these guys can't make smart decisions. Yeah. Like, how can you let go of Murray? Like, right. you just can't. Right? So that leaves Maiden with no guitarist now. Yeah. Dave's gone to Urchin. Um, also, summer of 1977, Ron Rebel Matthews leaves, the drummer. <sighs> so basically, the lineup they had falls apart. Yeah. Um, Steve kind of decides to start it up again as a single guitar band. Um, so he gets Terry Wapram as a guitarist. From He was in a band called Hooker. So he gets Terry Wapram as the guitar player. He also recruits Tony Moore on keyboards. Steve puts an ad in Melody Maker again. And this one says, Iron Maiden want rock keyboard synth player. No pros or posers. Nice. So they get Tony Moore on keyboards. And Ron Rebel Matthews is replaced by Barry Perkis. Also known as Barry Graham. Also known, or will be known as Thunderstick. Later on, he goes on to play in Samson, the band Samson, as Thunderstick. Mm-hmm. So they get him to replace Ron Rebel Matthews. So the band's just like, basically, from scratch getting put back together. He was in, Barry Perkis was in a band called The Primitives. And they get him from this magazine ad. He's Maiden's new drummer. So now you have Dennis Wilcock, Steve Harris, Terry Wapram is a guitar player, Barry Perkis is the drums, and Tony Moore on keyboards. So it's a really strange... Wow. It's a weird maiden lineup. What? 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 Woo! So yeah, I don't know the... I think maybe Steve Harris was going for like a deep purple UFO type of thing, maybe he was thinking. Yeah. Because he's big fans of both those bands. Yeah. Or maybe he's just trying something new. And this is this is late 77. Yeah, this all happens like over the summer Yeah. of, you know... Still no Paul, still no Stratton. Nope, still no, not yet. Still no Burr. I mean, it's it's amazing. Yeah. yeah. And they've, they've got that, you know, set list. That's crazy. 
So they put this yeah. band together, this lineup, which is a really weird one. They put this ad in Melody Maker, and I got a print above it here. I'll read it to you. It's uh, so this is remember last episode we were talking about how they were promoting themselves in these yeah. magazine ads. Is that the actual ad? Because that's the that's the Iron Maiden logo as I'm yep. as I'm wearing it. Yep. Wow. That's, so they have the logos in place at this time. Wow. This says Iron Maiden are not only the best visual, high energy, original, loud, but talented, good looking, tasteful, heartbreaking. Hard-hitting, blood-sucking, mind-blowing, hard rock band in London. We're also very nice blokes, kind to fans and our families, hostile to other bands. But above all, we are brilliant and superstars. We're honest and we're back. So fans, record companies, airmen, agents, promoters, financers, and able young ladies, watch this space for details. So they put this ad in the paper. They're all, you know, they haven't played a gig in months because yeah. they're going through all this turmoil. Basically, this lineup over the next few months falls apart again. So they play one gig with the keyboards. So I read an interview with Tony Moore, the keyboard player. He says all of the first album, the whole thing was written at this point. And he was finding it really hard to kind of work keyboards into these kind of songs. Because when you think about that album, keyboards, it'd be hard to work keyboards in there. You know what I mean? So they play one gig February 17th, 1978 with the keyboard player. So they're into 78. They put this lineup together. They practice for a bit. And then they play this one gig with the keyboard player. Uh, Tony Moore, I read this interview with him. It's it's a pretty recent interview. He says he got a gig in another band, a punk band called Tans Der Youth. And he called Steve Harris and told him he was leaving. So from everything that I read from both sides, I think what basically happened is... Everyone kind of realized the keyboards weren't working out. And he kind of looked for a gig on the side. And when he found one, you know, I think it was like a mutual understanding this wasn't going to work out. So he's out of the band. So Tony Moore leaves, joins this band, Tansder Youth. Maiden's without a keyboard player now. I have a clip of Tansder Youth. So just so you can hear Tony Moore's keyboard playing. That's a good keyboard player, but I can see how that wouldn't fit into Maiden. It's kind of weird. Mm. So yeah. now they're down to Dennis Wilcock, Terry Wapram, Barry Perkis, and Steve Harris. They're a four-piece. So this lineup, again, falls apart. Dennis Wilcock quits right before a gig at the Green Man Plumstead, England, April 6, 1978. Wow. So right before the show, he just doesn't show up. And Maiden has to play the gig mostly instrumental. And I read an interview with Wilcock. He said he left to form his own band called V1. Two days later, there's another lineup change. Barry Perkis leaves after a horrible show, the drummer. So the drummer leaves. I read an interview online. Um, I think I talked about this in an old episode. Yeah. He had this like horrible, horrible show where he's at the show, his wife shows up, and his girlfriend and his girlfriend's husband. No. And he said he was so nervous he took some like popped some Valium. It was just all around bad uh, oh, bad scene. Hey, look, horrible show. We've many... all been there. We've all been there. So he quits after that. I don't know if he's if he quits or if he was fired or was anyway. He has his gig and that's his last gig with Maiden. Yeah. Steve says Thunderstick did two gigs for us in one night, his first and his last. Wow. <laughs> but I think he played three gigs with Maiden, from what I can figure out. Um, if you looked at the timing of everything, I think he played three gigs, and then he goes off to play with uh, Samson eventually. 
Oh, as wow. Thunderstick, right? Wow. Small community. I know. It's weird. I know. So much talent. Yeah. So at the same gig where Barry Perkis gets fired or is, you know, has that horrible gig, the Doug Sampson is there and Steve mm. asks him to join to replace Thunderstick. <laughs> so Doug Sampson says yes right away. Yeah. And uh, he's in the band. And remember, Doug Sampson was in Gypsy's Kiss back yeah. in the day. That's right. With Steve. So Steve sees his old buddy from that band. Yeah. Gets him to come. He joins Maiden. So in that one night, they lose a drummer, pick up a new drummer. <laughs> and also, Terry Wapram leaves. So I think he was kind of like, this band is in constant turmoil. I've got to find something stable. Yeah, he's like, this This is going nowhere good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, this band's never, this band's never going to go anywhere. No, that's right. So he goes off with Dennis Wal- Wilcock in that band V1 that I was just talking about. So Dennis leaves, forms V1, and Terry Wapram goes with him. Um, here's a clip of V1 in case you want to hear what Dennis Wilcox singing sounds like. And this is also Terry Wapram playing guitar. that's a song called school girl by v1 yeah. it's another song about like lusting after underage chicks <laughs> that was back in the day when like uh you know i know christine 16 by kiss and all those songs yeah, yeah creepy yeah sexually but, uh, i like to think that he's singing as a a guy that just graduated <laughs> grade 12 he's singing in character yeah <laughs> That's good. He's thinking about like sitting in his truck. What are you waiting for to get out of school? Well, yeah, he better. Forty-year-old like, guy in the video, right? Met her on an app. But uh, so that's V one. I am Blaze Bailey. You're listening to Talking Maiden, the podcast of the beast, possibly the best podcast in the world. So yeah. Wilcox's gone. Now that Wilcox's gone, Dave Murray can come back, right? Because him and Dennis Wilcox just didn't get along, and that's why he left. So Steve Harris really wants Dave Murray back. He goes, steals him back from Urchin. Uh, Adrian's not very happy about it at the time, actually. Um, he shows up after an Urchin show and asks Dave to come back at the show, and Dave says yes right away. Well, Urchin is yeah. not as big as Maiden. No, and I think Dave Murray knew... You know, Maiden's going to make it right away. He, I think yeah. he always knew and wanted to be yeah. in Maiden. But Adrian's yeah. not very impressed. But Dave is back in the band. And he'll yeah. stay there for the next 41 years. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. So Dave Murray and Steve Harris now are both in the band. Yes. Um, they basically take a break in April. Don't play very much. They're kind of regrouping. They play a handful of gigs in 1978. Um, with all the band changes and stuff. They're really not very active in 1978. It's kind of like downtime. Plus, February 2nd, 1978, they got all their gear stolen. So they were borrowing gear after that. Wow. They eventually got it back like weeks later. But yeah. yeah. So it was 78's kind of like this downtime for Maiden. Yeah. It's a tough year. Yeah. So April, yeah, April 1978, Dave Murray's back. And Aiden is Dave Murray and Steve Harris and Doug Sampson as the drummer. Wow. So that's all they're down to now. Wow. So. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah, quite a change in that year. And we, we all know that in 78, it changes completely again. Oh, yeah. Um, wow, that's, that's so crazy. So much change. I got to say, though, this early years is thirsty work. <laughs> yeah. It's thirsty work doing early years. Um, because uh, my beer is pretty well gone. <laughs> Basically, I Maiden hits the re- reset button. Yeah. Um, and now is where they start to build the Iron Maiden that we all know and love. Right? Yes. So as a trio right now, the three of them, they work on and like kind of write and rewrite most of the songs that make up the first two albums. They like polish them off here. 
Yeah. It's a really intense few months of like rehearsing and writing. Um, and they kind of take a pause from playing live. And once they start up again, it's like this nonstop, basically ride to the top. Yeah. So just remember, it's Dave Murray and Steve Harris and Doug Sampson as the drummer. Yeah. And that's it. And they just kind of step out of the spotlight and really work on these songs and like yeah. rehearse, rehearse, rehearse. So that takes us to late 78, early 79. Yeah. And this is where Paul Diano comes in the picture. Nice. Finally. Yeah. <laughs> so according to the Early Years Part 1, that documentary, he was introduced to Steve through Doug Sampson. And I also read in Steve Loopy Newhouse's book that a guy named Trevor Searle was responsible for like introducing Paul Diano to Steve Harris. Yeah. Trevor Searle's a friend of like Maiden's and a friend of Steve Newhouse. And he was actually the one that gave Steve Newhouse the nickname Loopy. Oh, nice. Yeah, so he's a... If it wasn't for him, Paul Diano might not have ever gotten into Maiden. Yeah, which is interesting, too. You know, I'll give this reflection more at the end. Yeah. But I always thought, like, you know, Paul's their first singer, and then they move on to Bruce. But, like, they're well in now. Paul's the guy that they saw was, you know, kind yeah. of launch us to the next level. I know people look at the first album, and they're like, oh, Dennis Stratton, there was another guitar player before yeah. Adrian. And Paul Diano, the two, whatever. And I was like, yeah, you don't realize, like, how much has happened yeah. in the band by this point yeah when they get their first album and they start like there's so many people through the band it's crazy yeah. it's all these people that are like come and go before they solidify right and then in hindsight after surprisingly stable really yeah you know we do all it. the yannick blaze talk but when you think that bruce left for two yeah. albums and blaze came and then left and came back and that adrian left for a few and then came back yeah. and yannick joined Everyone's like, oh, all this upheaval in me. And it's like, that's really not that big of a deal. No. <laughs> what do you think about what, what's what happened it? up to this point? Like, so how Paul gets into the band. So Steve Loopy Newhouse, Steve Newhouse, Paul Diano's buddy. Um, I always mention his book too. Yeah. Loopy World. Uh, go. You're getting a cut of the profits. I mean, this is like <laughs> the eighth drop on the podcast. I've gotten, you're a, getting a big I know at least, at least four people have emailed yeah. me. That actually bought the book because they heard me talk about it. On the yeah, podcast. yeah. Well, I remember. I'll remember the best part. You were like, "Oh, there's Steve Loopy Newhouse." When we were at the Carton Horses, he was sitting over there. Uh, he's like, he's got his book. I was like, "Oh, you should get a copy." You're like, "Yeah, I've got a copy." And the lady comes up. She's like, "You want to meet Steve?" You're like, "I already just met him." And she's like, "Well, you want to get a copy of his book?" You're like, "I already got a copy." And she was like, "Yeah, but you can get a signed copy." You're like, "I already got signed one <laughs> back in Canada." Like, I was I like, over it was a him, super though. geeky. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, you did after or something. Anyway, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I already have a side guy. Super nice guy, by the way, Steve Newhouse. So, Steve Newhouse comes into the Maiden camp when Paul Giano mm-hmm. joins. And he stays with Maiden right up through recording Power Slave. Uh, he's like a roadie, and he's the drum tech, too. So, him, basically, Steve Newhouse, Vic Vela, Dave Lights, unpaid members of the Maiden crew from the start. And they basically volunteered just yeah. to help out the band. They just loved Maiden. You know what I mean? It'd be yeah. like if we had a chance to join to you know join the Maiden crew. Now we're just like, yeah, <laughs> I, I, I would I would do it for free for a while. For a while, yeah, yeah. Well, they did get paid eventually. I hope they got a few quid out of it. Yeah, though they did eventually. Yeah. It's just in these early days, the band's not really making money, right? They're just struggling. So, but they're helping out. They basically, you know, they did the lights, the stage effects, drove the truck, lugged gear, did whatever needed to be done, and until the first record came out, I don't think any of them got paid a cent. Yeah. So, anyway, make, I'm just mentioning them again because they're super important to the success of Iron Maiden in the early days is the crew, right? Basically volunteering. Yeah. You know, that's a whole uh, that's a whole lifestyle and area. You know, a lot of people that, that listen to our podcast or people in the, the music industry will know there's a whole thing about, like, the roadie and the and not just, like, the public stuff. Like, there's, they do a lot of hard work. Oh, yeah. And it's, totally. and it's tough, like... A friend of mine in, in Ireland, a good buddy of mine, we used to drink at the local. He managed some significant uh, people, and he had like a couple under his under his management. And he was talking about he had he had all these stories from back in the day. And he he would talk about like how he had young clients and older clients. He was just kind of riding the wave, and I, he made a good living off it. Yeah. But he was like in the dirt and and everything, and he knew all of their habits and various things. But he told me a, a story. Um, he was at a music festival and it was literally run. It was in, um, I can't remember where it was. It was in, I, I'm pretty sure it was in the U S and like they had to be paid in cash and they were getting paid on arrival. And the whole thing was being put off by like a biker gang. 
so he he like this is big biker dude. He's like, are we getting paid? Like this is while she's performing, and uh, it was ten thousand cash, right? And this is just one of their gigs, and the the the, the performer you would know her quite well. Okay, I, I can't. Yeah, say, but she's big. Okay. Anyway, um, but it was just this. This is twenty, thirty years ago. It was ten thousand cash. It was a good amount. And the guy pays him, and he like gives him the money, and like comes in the room. It's this huge biker dude. Gives him money, and then he's sitting there. And this guy's an intimidating guy himself, but he's like, "This guy's a biker. It's gonna kill me." And he counts it, and it's short, like five hundred bucks. It was short a significant amount. And the guy just said, "All right," pulled a wad out of his pocket, just cut off double and threw it at him. And then said, "Now we good?" The guy said, "Yep." And they just threw drugs at him and walked out. And he was like, he thought he was gonna get killed. But like, there's all this stuff that goes on. Oh, yeah. It's just such an interesting scenes. culture. And when he told me all that, like, he's like, "You, that's the stories I can tell you. The stuff I can't tell oh, yeah. you." Like, you know, oh, it's really interesting. So fair play to them. For I wonder investing. if there's any uh, podcasts where it's like roadies telling roadie stories. Ooh, that, that would, would be, be an so awesome podcast. Yeah. Oh man, that would be deadly. <laughs> well, they probably wouldn't be able to. They'd have to change names of bands and stuff, but it'd be. It'd be super interesting. Yeah, the behind the scenes. Oh my god, those guys, Loopy. You need a podcast. <laughs> yeah, talking Loopy. Man, I listen to that. That's for sure. Jeez, oh, my <laughs> god, you listen to his his bird watching videos <laughs> just to get a better feel of who he is. Okay, so back to Paul Diano. Paul Diano is in a band called Rock Candy before Maiden. Yeah. Um, they played one gig and broke up after their gear was stolen from their rehearsal space. I got that from Steve Newhouse's book too. <laughs> <laughs> Again, if you want, buy that book. There's tons of awesome stories in there. Paul was kind of like a punk rock guy. And Steve Harris kind of hated punk, right? They actually had some common ground on Deep Purple. So right. as kind of an audition to land the gig for Maiden, Paul sings the song Dealer by Deep Purple. Mm. So this isn't a clip of Paul Diana singing it. This is the Deep Purple version. But this is the song that Paul sang to kind of get the gig. If you slow down That's the Deep Purple version. That's not Paul Diano. Yeah. But that's the song that he sung. Which I can hear because it's that gruff kind of... That's right in Paul's range and like... Yeah. I could see how he'd sing that. Yeah. But does he get to pick the song? That that was the one he picked? I don't know how it went down, but this is the song that he sang apparently. Yeah. Basically, he kind of also let on that he'd been in a whole bunch of bands to... You know, like he said that he'd been in a few bands before. Yeah. It's typical Paul Diano would kind of exaggerate or like make up whatever story... You know, he enhances his reputation with these, like, stories all the time. He does. You know what I mean? So this is towards the end of 1978, and now you have Dave Murray, Paul Diano, Doug Sampson, and Steve Harris in the band. Nice. And then they get another guitarist, Paul Cairns. So he answers a magazine ad for a second guitarist. Okay. So now you have Dave Murray and Paul Cairns on guitar, Paul Diano singing... Doug Sampson is the drummer, and Steve Harris is the bass player. Okay, all right. Yeah. Yeah, I thought Stratton came in. Not yet. You're saying that. Not yet. Oh, interesting. <laughs> interesting. So this is a pretty stable lineup. Yeah. So they get this lineup together, they don't play any gigs for yeah. a long time. They practice for five months before they play their first live gig. Yeah. So they have all the songs, they finally get this new singer, they get this. They got the two guitarists, Paul Cairns and Dave Murray. And they just practice and practice and practice. Yeah. And then Steve, even though they haven't played a gig yet, Steve's pretty desperate to get in the studio and he really wants to record something. Um, I think where Dave kind of left and went with Urchin and recorded a single and released it with Urchin and then came back, I think Steve kind of felt like I need to get something out. And realized it was attainable but, as well, right? It's yeah. Like and crazy yeah. concept. Yeah. And, oh, and the other thing is Dennis Wilcock, who was in V1. Yeah. They had just recorded some demos, and they recorded them at Spaceward Studios in Cambridge. So I have a quote from Dennis Wilcock. So this is a quote from him. He says, he's to him talking about being in V1. He says, uh, we went into Spaceward and recorded a demo. We produced the demo properly, and it came off well. We used the demo purely to get work, to secure live gigs. I played Steve Harris the tape, and he liked the production a lot. He said Maiden should use the studio as well. I said, why not? It's a very good studio. Why don't you give it a go? 
Nice. So Steve Harris hears the V1 demo. Yeah. And he's like, I'm going to go to the same studio, Spaceward Studios. Um, this is all from the liner notes of the V1 Spaceward Studio demos. And the liner notes have all these like quotes from de- all this, like, the story of how these demos came about. So V1 records these demos. Steve Harris hears it. And he's like, that's where I'm going to record my demos. And these, if you hear these V1 demos, they do sound really good, like for, especially for a demo. So this is the a clip of the V1 demos that were recorded at Spacewood Studios. So Steve Harris hears that, and he's like, we got to record at Spaceward Studio. Hmm. So this brings us to the Maiden Spaceward Studio demos. December 31st, 1978. It's New Year's Eve. They get the, the studio really cheap because it's New Year's Eve. And they get the studio for 24 hours until the morning of January 1st, 1979. So these are the demos that go on to become, eventually, the Soundhouse tapes. Oh, really? Yeah. Recorded on New Year's Eve? Yep. Because it was cheaper, apparently. No one was, like, using the studio. So they got it for 24 hours and recorded, like, overnight. Yeah. Wow. Steve got them to reduce the price to 200 pounds because it was a holiday and no one was using the studio. Wow. They record four songs. Prowler, Iron Maiden, Strange World, and Invasion. Yes. So this is a clip of Invasion from these demos. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, so that's Invasion. Yep. Yeah, no relation to Invaders. We talked about it last time. Yeah. There was something in the lyrics. I think there t- was something yeah. about, like, it. I think maybe it, they might have taken, part, like, a, a little piece of Invasion and yeah. turned it into Invaders somehow. Yeah, they're not But they're separate songs. All, like, yeah. No. But there's some, some commonality. Yeah, the Northmen are coming, the Northmen are coming. Yeah, and so that's four tracks that were recorded. Right. And they, they so they recorded them on New Year's Eve. Right. Iron Maiden, Invasion, yeah. Prowler, and Strange World. Yeah, that's right. And was a Strange World that was dropped for Soundhouse. Yeah. Well, tapes. we'll get into that now because yeah. I'll tell you how this okay. becomes the Soundhouse tapes. Yeah. So Steve Harris takes a cassette tape. Yes. They uh, like they're done recording these four demos. He does cassette tapes up, like not the big like studio tapes, the cassette tapes. Goes home to listen to it. Um, they're planning on going back and maybe mixing it more or overdubbing it. You know, adding some overdubs or something. The studio wanted 50 or 60 pounds for the multi-track tapes. Oh, God. And they, the band just couldn't afford it at the time. So they go back a few weeks later, and the tapes are recorded over. <sighs> so every copy of the Soundhouse, of these demos, I, I'm going to be calling them the Soundhouse tapes, but it's actually the Space Word Studio demos, all came from Steve's cassette tape that he had. Wow. Yeah. That's crazy. <laughs> I know, eh? That is sucks. Yeah. Yeah, that's such a loss in quality. Oh, that's too bad. Yeah. I got a quote from Mike Kemp. He worked at Space Word Studios during yeah. this time, and he said, We were as poor as they were. Couldn't afford to keep tapes and not reuse them. 
Oh my so. god. That's like reusing <laughs> a, a canvas that Da Vinci painted on. Yeah, exactly. That's so sad. Sadder. <laughs> oh, yeah, worse. Painting suck. <laughs> Just kidding. Painting so, terrible. as we go through, I'm going to be referring to these maybe as the Soundhouse tapes. Yeah. But technically, they're not the Soundhouse tapes yet. They're the Space Word Studio demos. That's right. So, I want to get into something now about these demos. Yeah. Which, and the Soundhouse tapes are the same recordings. There's some controversy about Paul Cairns and whether or not he's on the demos. Because he isn't credited on the Soundhouse tapes at all. No. So I have a copy of the Soundhouse tapes here. I have a bootleg one and a real one. So this is the bootleg one. Wow. (laughs) And you can see that there's no uh, mention of Paul Cairns on there anywhere on the back. It has like pictures and there's no mention. I saw an interview with Paul Diano. Yes. They asked Paul Diano... They say, the question that no official answer has been given to is this. Did Paul Cairns record with Iron Maiden on the Soundhouse tapes? And Paul Diano says, yes, I can remember him being there clear as day. He played on the Soundhouse tapes, and he was a nice bloke. I remember hanging out with him. That still adds nothing, though. (laughs) Paul Diano. Easily just said that. I've also seen pictures of them with Paul Cairns. There's a picture of them on the internet, if you look around. And it's them um, standing outside of the studio. Outside of the Space Word Studios. Um, I think I also read somewhere about Paul Cairns had a dog. And a couple of people remember the dog being around, but they don't remember him being around. No. Yeah. And I, yeah, that's funny. <laughs> I also read an interview with Paul Cairns, and he says, I was on the Soundhouse tape, second solo on Strange World and first solo on Invasion. Okay. So the first solo on Invasion, Paul Cairns. I'm going to play this. I have it like a clip made of it. Just because Paul Cairns was a recording member of Iron Maiden. He recorded with them. He's part of the Soundhouse tapes, which is like basically what broke them. Um, this is his guitar solo on Invasion. little early aging yeah. in there i mean this is like <laughs> he's, you know he's not i also read an, same another level, thing but... i forgot to mention this guy mike kemp who was working yeah. at spaceward studios at the time he says he remembers there being two guitarists there okay. so he definitely was there yeah i told you about the picture of his dog i think his dog's name was nelson okay. <laughs> i just remember that important details so he definitely played on these spaceward studio demos this is his solo from strange world That's actually a pretty, you know, awesome guitar solo from Paul Cairns. Wow. So he was at, yeah, like he was in the band, he recorded. By the time this was released, he wasn't in the band anymore. He was gone. So he's not listed on the on the sleeve. Everyone should just kind of realize he was in the band because he's kind of overlooked. And I think a lot of people have never even heard his name. Yeah. But, you know, he recorded with Maiden. He was a big part of like these demos and these are what, kind of what broke Maiden. Yeah. So, but it, just as a comparison, listen to how awesome Dave Murray was at the time.
So Dave Maria, awesome. Back, you know what I mean? I think I like that version better than the version that made it to the album. The guitar solos, at least, I like better. That's excellent. That's the Space Word Studios demos. Demos, yes. So this is a good place to stop. They just finished recording their first demos. Yes. They haven't been released yet. No. Steve Harris has a cassette tape. <laughs> it's a cassette it. tape. <laughs> yeah. I gotta be honest. We'll, we'll talk about it when we when we break down the end of tapes next time. But it's kind of a gut punch. Oh, the, like you know, I'm super. Lost? I've been super jelly of your uh, of your Santos tapes. Oh yeah, original plus bootleg. Yeah. Um, but the fact it's such a flat recording now, like so so much details lost. You don't. You hear the Soundhouse tapes now, and you you don't have the original to compare to. Yeah. But if you did have those multi-track recordings, and they could have like mastered and mixed them, or maybe overdubbed some stuff on oh, them. Oh my god! I wonder what they would have sounded like. Yeah. It's a shame they got lost. You'd hear the dog in the background barking <laughs> or, or scratching himself. Howling. Howling. Yeah, that, that, oh, wow. That's crazy, isn't it? Yeah. And not only that, like, re-recording over the same tape. That was very, very common at the time. Yeah, but how, how, I don't know if this is a special type of tape, but I mean, that's a lot, like, over time you will degrade it. Yeah, well, that's yeah. a lot of times when they dig these old tapes out to re-release or remaster something. Mm. These tapes, they take them out and they have to like bake them in ovens to get them like before they can like spool them up because whatever condition they're in. It's it is really you know when you put stuff on magnetic tape, it's yeah. not permanent. Yeah, it, I watched. Um, you know, there's a, a film recovery project that's like done at some university. It was a big video online years ago. It went viral of um, people that like uh, find old film and then they develop it. So there's a guy who specializes in like doing World War II film because there's tons of it that got left over in soldier stuff. And okay, say archives, never developed. Just never got developed. And every now and then they'll they'll find a role that they can develop using the right technique and pull out like amazing pictures from World War II and stuff. You know, in like the 50s and even the 30s and stuff. You know, old film that you couldn't develop now. It's I just would really love cool. to dig through Steve Harris's attic or basement and see what I can find. His trash. You would dig through his trash. <laughs> no, you I mean like, his like, you know, dig through his oh attic and find an old dusty box that's like Gypsy's Kiss demos. Because if you watch that early yeah. days documentary, yeah, it shows these pictures of these old like cassette tapes. He has like, I th- I wouldn't be surprised if he has like every gig and every maiden thing. Like I know he has a diary of every single gig and notes written down. Yeah. Like since he was back even in... Even that. Yeah, even back in like the 70s. Yeah. And like he must just have this huge, huge archive of recordings. You know, different yeah. takes. And you know for a fact, they recorded Number of the Beast. You know they didn't do just one take of like The Prisoner. That's true. You know they didn't yeah. do one take of like Number of the Beast and be like, that's the one. Yeah. They did multiple takes and they picked one. And you know what I mean? Like... There must be like all these alternate takes for all the stuff. There's so much stuff that you could dig through. You could find really cool stuff out of. Oh yeah, like just think of think of all the clips. Yeah, like why don't they re? <laughs> <laughs> why don't they reissue if they reissued like say Peace of Mind? Yeah, and it had the original album remastered or whatever, mm. and then it had a bonus disc which was just like alternate studio takes. Yeah, you know, three different takes of each song. Like that would be yeah. awesome. That would lose my mind. <laughs> yeah, but then there'd also be probably all these stupid things that they say in crappy takes that would diminish. You know. I don't know. I'd love to hear all that behind the scenes stuff. Would be cool. Yeah, yeah, it would be cool. I mean, these new albums are pretty much recorded. A lot of it's recorded live in the studio. They play all together in the studio. Yeah. I mean, they must have take after take. Yeah. Now, but don't they? Don't they isolate? So they can all like hear the yeah. Mix. Well, some of it too. They go back in and then they yeah. lay an overdub. They'll overdub a solo over. So some of those older albums, but sometimes they'll lay down, you know, track and then they'll go back and put another instrument on and build the tracks that way. Yeah. But either way, like there must be multiple takes of all that stuff that they could. But uh, yeah, no, I'm 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 a fan more of doing it fluidly, and also like you know that that the the build up music tends to be more manipulated and. Yeah, well, the Zeppelin reissues they did some. There's some cool stuff on there. There's like versions of the song where it's, it's the studio version, but it's an alternate vocal take okay. that they did, and they'll put that on, and it just sounds different. Or they'll do like, it's a different take. You know what I mean? It's just really, yeah. I don't know. Maiden must have a huge vault full of like unreleased. Yeah, what do they stuff? do with it all? Like, I don't know, sitting yeah. on it. And you know, every single concert is like videotaped by a whole bunch of different cameras. Yeah, and I'm sure they're not. I'm sure that's all somewhere. Yeah, it's not fair. 
But you know, they did these Legacy of the Beast videos, like that one of Flight of Icarus that came out a couple weeks ago. Yeah. And that's put together from multiple shots from different shows. So you know they have like the full shows multi-camera recorded. Yeah, and I, I think they'll do the concert disc after the second leg, right? They release it usually. And it'll probably be a European disc. But European every show. every Maiden concert has those big screens. And there's cameras recording the band to project on those screens. And you know that's being recorded somewhere. Like, Yeah, I mean, of man. course they're recording and of course they're saving it. Yeah. They're not like, uh, delete it. We don't have a terabyte. Like, yeah. I mean, you know what? Like That's why I'm saying when Maiden finally does call it quit someday yeah i would hope that we maybe we get like another 10 20 years of like <laughs> you know oh we went oh. back and dug into the archives and now here's a, a no prayer for the dying era live album yeah you know what i mean hey look uh you know their kids uh drug habit habits and and, <laughs> and needs for new yachts will always uh, make for reissues right but you know some of the reissue crap like the Nirvana stuff, the Michael Jackson stuff. I don't, yeah, I a lot of that been through, but a lot of it's garbage, isn't it? Yeah, I thought so. That Is there Nirvana. ever any examples of that being good? Oh yeah, there's lots. Yeah. But the Nirvana one, I think I'm not a big enough Nirvana fa- fan to like get off on hearing yeah. his early version. That he played into a boombox with his guitar. You know what I mean? Yeah. But then if I heard, if I was like, here's a cassette tape of Steve Harris when he wrote the wrote whatever song, yeah. and he just put a cassette tape in a boombox and sang along. While he's playing bass, I'd be like, yeah, I'd love to hear that. Yeah. Nirvana I mean, is, yeah. A, is a funny one. Like, I mean, there's just some stuff that they did. It's just so amazing. Yeah. And, but then there's times I listen to it and I'm like, well, you know, like, there's just rough spots. and Yeah. See, I like yeah. most of the stuff that they released. Yeah. But when they put out that, uh, I can't remember what their box set was called. Uh, I, but it had, like, all... They was that the one after, after you know? Yeah, yeah. they basically, like... Just everything. Every single recorded, thing yeah. they could find, they released in a lot yeah. of it. I thought was crap. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. A lot of their albums, I would say the same thing about. Really? Yeah. Uh, just in the sense that there's some great stuff. There's only Bleach. Yeah. Ner- there's never in- mind Incesticide. Incesticide is a, like a collection of. Stuff. Yeah. But the, I, that's and then a there's the and then there's the uh, so live in New York. Do, yeah, those and those two don't count, right? But yeah, then there's Muddy Banks of Wishka is a live one. Too. Yeah, that doesn't. Yeah, yeah that I don't doesn't. count the live albums. There's four yeah. studio albums. One of them is kind of a compilation. There's four. There's, there's Bleach. Bleach. Yeah. Never mind. Never mind. Incesticide. Yeah. Incesticide. And in utero. Yeah. yeah. This one. Yeah. That's in right. utero, I think is my favorite one. Yeah. Oh, tangent again. <laughs> I thought you just said incesticide was a. Incesticide is kind of like a compilation of compilation, yeah. but you just count it as a studio album. I counted because they're all studio. Yeah. Takes. Okay. Cool. Yeah. No. Anyway. That that's that's a bad that's for a Nirvana podcast. <laughs> oh no, thank you, no thank you. Yeah, yeah. Um, they didn't replace the lead singer. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, no, the earlier stuff, man, that's interesting. A lot more change than I would have expected. Yeah, a lot of turmoil. Yeah, a lot of turmoil, and um, you know, we're still not Soundhouse tapes released. We're still right. not leading up to the the recording of Iron Maiden. Yeah. But we're close to the. You know, this is a fairly stable lineup now that we're into. Pretty stable. There's a few changes coming up, but that's it. Before we go, you want to wrap up what the lineup is now or where? Right. So the lineup now is Steve Harris, yeah. of course, Dave Murray, and Paul Cairns. Yeah. Doug Sampson is the drummer. Yeah. And who did I say? Oh, Steve Paul Diano, yeah. of course, the singer. Yeah, right. sorry. Good, good, good. Right. So that's this is where we'll end it then at, at the start of 78. Right. Or start of 79. Start of 79. So 78, 79. Right. And the New Year's Eve, they recorded the demos. Right. We know that Paul goes soon, but we'll park it there. Yeah. Or, or not not Paul Diano, Paul Cairns right. goes soon. I know. It's confusing um, with all the Pauls. Yeah. Paul Diano, Paul Cairns. Yeah. Paul. yeah like, remember when Paul Bruce was Dickinson's a... name is Paul, too. Yeah. Paul Bruce Dickinson. Yeah. So he's actually another Paul. You, you remember when Paul was in Iron Maiden? <laughs> oh, Paul Cairns? Or wait, no. Are you talking about Spare Rib? <laughs> <laughs> Which band are we talking about right now? I love the Spare oh, Rib. Oh, You can't get enough of that Spare Rib. Um, TalkingMaiden.com. TalkingMaiden.com slash talk if you want some input. TalkingMaiden at gmail.com. TalkingMaiden at gmail.com. Yep. TalkingMaiden on Facebook. TalkingMaiden on Twitter. Yep. When we're done these uh, episodes, we're going to do an episode where we, we, we've we got a few you know, emails and stuff. Yeah. So if you have any questions or something you want to talk about. Yeah. Comments. Comments, insults, opinions. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, the beer, deadly. Yeah, it's awesome. I know. Yeah, so good. Another great one. Another great one. 
Um, good work, Nisbet. Look yeah. forward to the next part. Can't wait to get into that. All right. Right on. Until next time, up the irons and down the hops. Yeah.